This podcast is brought to you by GG Poker. GG Poker won huge tournaments and hold the Guinness World Record for the largest prize pool for an online poker tournament. As the world's biggest online poker room, GG Poker are making poker fun again. GG Poker offers exciting game formats and software features that aren't available anywhere else. So why play anywhere else? Plus, if you're new to GG Poker, get £60 free play when you make your first deposit of £10 or more. Players must be 18 plus. Full terms and conditions apply. Please see ggpoker.co.uk for details. BeGambleAware.org. Please play responsibly. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The share it with a friend deal, even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I am delighted to be joined by Amy Canavan and Colin Watt to look ahead to this afternoon's game. Quite unusual that we're playing in the afternoon, Colin, but uh, we will have a look at the Dundee United game as well as uh, the small matter of a Glasgow derby this weekend. So we'll also discuss that. Before we get into it, Colin, I've asked you to compile some highlights and lowlights for 2020 to get us kicked off uh, this afternoon. So come on, give us some of your highlights and lowlights. Um, 
Oh, we spoke about this off air, but I'm not going to mention it. You've had some fantastic uh, comparisons this year, and uh, if anybody scrolls through Twitter, they'll be able to see it. Um, some female singer, apparently, KD Lang, was that her name? I forget what it was called. No, yes. but genuinely, Celtic highlights of this year has to be the quadruple treble. Um, it's something that we've looked forward to ever since the lockdown kicked off. Um, the performance against Aberdeen at Hamden was brilliant. The, the final was probably the neutrals' ideal cup final, end to end, and going to penalties. I actually saw that a Hearts fan had a bet on that was returning £15,000 if Hearts won on penalties. Really? Two players to get booked. Um, he had the boy Kingsley to score mm. and Hearts to win on penalties. And when Craig Gordon saved Ryan Christie's shot, he was offered £12,500 and never took it. Oh. So that made me even happier. <laughs> See the thing the, we we do the old uh, WhatsApp messages etc. Calling obviously leading up to the games, uh, we were also offered four bets. I think it was by fans bet four free bets, and we were asked to come up with them. And the bet I came up with was Celtic four Hearts three. Because going into that game, I just thought to myself, we're definitely going to concede a few goals here. I don't have um, or didn't have the confidence that we could get a clean sheet. I know that uh, we'll put that right in the last couple of games. But um, I did see it being a high-scoring game, I've got to say, but it didn't do anything for the nerves. I mean, um, we've got a video of, we covered the full game. I think we dedicated about four hours to the game, pre, during, post-match. And uh, we've compiled it into a video that I'm going to upload today onto our YouTube channel. And, you know, there's certain points where you, you don't think for a moment that you're actually online or you're, you're broadcasting and it's just sheer emotion and you're fearful that this is just slipping away from you. Particularly when it goes to penalties, you know, you just think, what's going to happen here? But we did get a, a hero. We got a couple of heroes out of the penalty shootout as well, Colin. And uh, one of them, I would, I would expect uh, one of them in Connor Hazard to be um, starting for Celtic today. So, are you finished with your highlights? Was it basically just have a dig at me for looking like KD Lang? <laughs> you didn't want to talk about nine in a row, quadruple trebles? No? no, no, no. no? no it, it has to be said, though, one of the, the highlights is actually seeing the growth of this channel over the last couple of um, months. We, basically, you were left in a situation where you had to adapt to the scenario that we've been in. And um, getting to know some of the contributors, getting to know uh, people like Amy, like Kevin, like Lawrence over the last couple of months, it's been uh, fantastic. And having this chance to kind of do what you would do in a pub, but online and talk about Celtic um, is certainly something that I think has been a benefit to all Celtic fans over the last few months. Um, And it certainly helped me with the fact that we can't get to the games. This is a thing, Colin. We'll need to rethink it again, Amy. Um, you know, once we are able to go back to the games, I think it will be a wee camper van and maybe a satellite on top of it to broadcast from there. Uh, we certainly will have to go to the games and change it about. But the bulletin will stay, as will the, the match day uh, coverage as well, Colin. But it's right what you say. We've obviously brought in people like Amy and Natasha and Laura, Russell, JP. Um, but that's so that we can get a variety of views and we get loads of variety in the comments section as well. So we will be working through the comments. Uh, Amy, what about yourself? Highlights of 2020. We're going to try and be positive when it uh, comes to the end of such a a challenging year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Colin touched on it a little bit. It is nine in a row and it is the quadruple treble. I think for me more than anything, it's the quadruple treble because I think the the nine nine in a row, it was obviously what a highlight, but it was just... It just never felt it, obviously, like the the season come at the end the way that it did. It, it, we were so far ahead, it would have been 
obviously you of course you wanted to see that out but um no for me it was the quadruple triple because that's never going to be done again in a lifetime nine in a row there's obviously there's possibilities that that could be done again by by anyone but not that it's not that, it's that easy a feat but the quadruple treble is something special I think Rangers have proven this season as well no matter how well you're doing anyone can lose a cup game mm-hmm. or anyone can win a cup game so to go undefeated as long as Celtic have I think that's pretty special um, and it can't be underestimated so yeah I think that's my highlight this year Oh, absolutely. What a weekend that was. And everybody knows uh, around the, the charity fundraising that we were involved in, Colin, and people got r- right behind that. Um, we're going we're gonna to continue that as an annual event, a Celtic State of Mind, ho- hopeful of pulling together other podcasts, other platforms to raise cash for those in need around about Christmas time. So that, again, is a massive highlight for me because it wasn't planned. It wasn't something that we thought, let's do this at the end of the year, that just happened, you know, um, over a, a conversation one morning, pulled it together in three weeks, but this time round we'll have a whole year to plan it, so we've got bigger ideas to raise even more cash. Yeah, and I think one of the suggestions that I've put to you, and I'll put it out to the listeners as well, I think if we're able to do so, round about Christmas next year, we should have a charity five-a-side tournament, we should have an Axon team, we should have teams from all the different podcasts, uh, and we should have teams from the people that watch as well and I'm sure we could do that in uh, a good venue That sounds good to me Colin, I'll start training for that because uh, five or six isn't easy when you get to my age but um, we'll have a wee chat about the Dundee United game first and foremost, I've been having a look to see um, some injury updates etc it looks as though Julian is back Colin so I'm going to ask you to devise your predicted 11 for the game this afternoon against Dundee United Yep, so I've went with Hazard and Goal, mm-hmm. um, a back four of Thrimpong, Ayer, Julian and Taylor. Uh, the diamond formation of Sorrow, McGregor, Christie and Turnbull, although I would, I could see Scott Brown getting the jersey today if he is fit um, to prepare him for the game at the weekend. And I've went with Eddie and Griffiths up front. Now, I know it took you by surprise there when I mentioned Christie's name in the team because I wouldn't mm-hmm. have him in, um, but... He seems to be the player that Neil Lennon has turned to at the minute. Um, and it's more of a team that I see playing today rather than what I would pick for today's game. But you, you've got to admit, Christy is a very creative player, Colin, who creates a lot for the side, scores a lot of great goals. Does he is score that, a lot uh, of great goals, though? But, I mean, yeah, really, of course he does. That, has his return been good enough this season? Do you really think um, that you're getting the best out of him? No one's created more goals for Celtic this year, this season. Uh, seven, I think Christie's on. Interesting enough, followed by Greg Taylor on four. And I see that you've got Taylor in there. Um, yeah, I, I get that he's very frustrating. Amy, I'll throw this one over to you. He can be very frustrating. I've seen all the comments about Ryan Christie being selfish. Sometimes I think we need that. Sometimes at the Celtic side um, have been so frustrating that we haven't created enough chances and you need someone to take a risk. Yeah, it's very frustrating when that risk is a 35-yarder that ends up well over the bar. But then the flip side of that is you'd get the goal against Aberdeen at Hamden, you get the goal against Hearts in the cup final. I would play him. I certainly would play him. He's in my starting 11, yeah. I, I think mine's actually the same as Collins. He's got Ayer at centre-back, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think Lennon will go Ayer at centre-back as well. Um, I reckon Frimpong and Taylor but yeah I'd have Christy in there the diamonds I think is working quite well for him as well I know you've mm-hmm. said that a few times that he needs to needs to be like locked into like a position and he just needs to be regimented and I think he's given that like he, he obviously he is still given that the privilege and whatever to, to roam around and hence why he can have a pop from 35 yards but I just think that he's 
he's I think he's surprising himself out there as well on the wing. Um, I think he compliments well with Turnbull, and I think he likes Sorrow behind him. But no, I think it's um, I'd have Christian. Yeah, I think it's a good I think it's a good role for him. Oh, definitely. When you both have that same lineup, obviously Hazard, Sorrow, Turnbull, these uh, players have come in pretty late in the day for the title charge. Um, you know, we went through uh, a transfer window bringing in players like a Yeti that you thought was going to be a starter, Duffy, you thought he was going to be a starter, Barkas. These guys aren't even quoted now. El Yanusi has dropped out to the, you know, to the bench. And then you've got people, and it's all on form. They've came in. I mean, Sorrow deserves his jersey. Turnbull does as well. Connor Hazard, I wouldn't have any of the other two goalkeepers at this moment in time. It's his jersey to, to keep a hold of. I think I'm looking at that side and, um, you know, the only change that I may make would be to have Ayer at right back if Duffy is fit. Yeah. Um, but I can see why he's playing for Pong and he's probably looking um, ahead to the, the Glasgow Derby at the weekend as well, Colin. Do you think if that is the lineup that he starts with today, that's also going to be the lineup against Rangers? I think he has got to either start with the team that will play Rangers at the weekend or at least finish the game with the, the spine of the team that will play there. They've got to sort of get an understanding built together, especially if he's going to go with the likes of Sorrow and Brown together because they've never played 90 minutes together. They're not. I don't even think they've played 15 minutes together. So they've got to try and get some sort of understanding if he's going to go in with that shape to the game at the weekend. Um, the potential other people that could come into the equation today, Tom Rogic. Could he be the man to sort of be the creative influence? Will Diego Laxalt come back into the side? I don't know. Um, but you look at it, Turnbull's got three goals in five games. Griffiths on fire, three and three. So it's very hard to change a winning formula at the minute. Um, and consistency is something that we've lacked this season. And if we keep going the way we're going, um, I'm happy for us to grind out one and two nil victories, especially at the weekend. You know, when you're you're looking at that side as well and looking ahead to the weekend, Amy, uh, the width is something that we've been yeah. very critical of when it comes to Celtic all season in actual fact. That outball, out you know, you're playing through the centre a hell of a lot. You want to stretch the back line and often it should be a ball out right or left. Uh, it sounds simple, but we've, we've really lacked that. Uh, Mikey Johnson, the player at Collins, spoken about a fair bit. I think he might be introduced into the, the lineup today. So although I agree with your lineup, Colin, I do think that Mikey Johnson's been primed over the last few games, 10 minutes, 15 minutes here. It would do him the world of good to get a start. Um, and then Neil Lennon will know at the end of the game if he's in the running for the, the, the match at Ibrox. So Colin, the, the problem I would have looking at that side is where do you fit him in? Who drops out if you bring in somebody like Mikey Johnson? Do you need to ask me? Don't say Ryan Christie. <laughs> It, but it would be, wouldn't it? I mean, Christie plays on the left of the diamond. Mm. So if you're going to play Maggie Johnson on the left-hand side, it would need to be on the left of the diamond. He's not going to come in and replace Greg Taylor uh, because he's not got the defensive capabilities to do that. And then do you split up the partnership of Eddie and Griffiths? You wouldn't do that either. I mean, the 12 games that they've played together this season, Celtics won 11 and drew one. So you, you wouldn't change that. The partnership works very well. So and then Mate. do you drop Turnbull? Mikey Johnson, Mikey Johnson, Colin, do you think that would require a change in shape to introduce someone like Mikey? It would. And uh, again, why change a formula that's working well for you? I understand you want to get the best players that you've got to your disposal on the park, but if it comes to the detriment of the shape that you've managed to build so far, then you'll just have to contend with a place on the bench and come off and maybe change the game. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I just think that Neil Lennon has certainly been priming Mikey over the last couple of weeks, maybe with one eye on the, the match at Ibrox. I do think that we need that width when we play Rangers because, as has been well documented, obviously, Tavernier and Barisic are two of their danger men and we need to try and nullify that. Um, Frimpong, I think, froze against Rangers in the first game of the, the season at Celtic Park, Colin. Um, but then again, you know, you've got to look at the psychology behind that. Do you drop him because he froze or do you let him run riot because obviously he's got something to prove? Uh, Taylor is more of a defensive player, so I think that would allow Tavernier to attack, which I think he's better at than defending. So Laxalt would obviously be the, the remedy to that, I think. But again, Laxalt... Is he good at attacking? Is he? Is he all that great at attacking? I don't know. I think that's uh, something that's still up for debate. So yeah, I get you. I totally agree with your team. I mean, when you're looking at some of the other players like Tommy Rogic, for example, El Yanusi and Cham, um, you know, the, these players, you know, during this season, near Beaton, one of your favourites, Colin, might have might have been um, in for a start, but they are definitely not for me. Um, first team picks for me, uh, particularly guys like Cham and even Rogic. I know when he come back and he's a fan's favourite and he showed some uh, tremendous ability as we know he has, but he's still inconsistent. I mean, if he was to start today, I'd be really, really surprised because he's nowhere near and he doesn't have the work rate of a Christie, Turnbull, McGregor, Sorrow. So, you know, I think it's key to keep those four together. And I, I, I really don't mean to be picking on Ryan Christie here, but there is something about his game that is really frustrating, which is he seems to give away these unnecessary fouls. Um, he's tracking back, he's trying to win the ball back, and he gives away the fouls on sort of the edge of the 18 yard box, on out, out wide. And Rangers have shown this season that they are very effective from set pieces. You don't want to be giving away corners. You don't want to be giving away free kicks towards the edge of the box. You look at the two goals that they scored um, at Celtic Park. It came from set pieces. Mm-hmm. So you have to be disciplined. And if Ryan Christie can't be disciplined for that game, I don't think it's a risk worth taking. I think we've, we've spoken about the discipline, Amy, haven't we, of Ryan Christie. And if we can get him focused within an, an area of the park, then he'll thrive. And although the work rate... It's commendable. As Colin says, you often fight. This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. 
Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Kingdom. I think Casey Milan is a classic example where he's, he struck a tremendous free kick. The goalkeeper's plucked out of nowhere. But then, you know, quite shortly thereafter, he's given away a daft free kick, 18 yards out of his own, uh, from his own goal. And that resulted in a goal for AC Milan. And we've seen that quite a bit from Christie giving away those kind of fouls. He just needs to be that wee bit more disciplined. And at his age, you would expect him to be at that, that point. But again, it's something that the coaching staff need to work with him on. Yeah, absolutely. I do think the criticism is a bit heavy on him. Um, I think you look at like the past few seasons, or whatever. He's been arguably one of the players of the players of the years for Celtic, and he's definitely been up there. It's frustration on his part as well. I think you can definitely see that he's still performing to a relatively high level when maybe his teammates haven't been in recent um, in in this season compared to recent seasons. Sorry, so. I don't know, I think a little bit of the um, the criticism is a bit hard. I'd still have them in my starting line-up, because I think, yeah, you get the good with the bad, but when the good's good, it's really good, so... You're right, yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Colin, give me a prediction for the Dundee United game. I think it'll be 2-1 today. 2-1? Um, yeah, I think it'll be uh, quite a close affair. I've looked at the stats for Dundee United over the last couple of games... They've given away 16 fouls in the last game against Motherwell. The game against us, they give away 18 fouls. It's going to be a really stop-start game today. They're going to try and nullify the threat. But I think we will get there in the end and it'll be 2-1. So did they give 18 fouls away the last time we played them? Yes, at Tannadice. Yeah. Yeah. So you remember going back to that game, it was a really, really dirty game of football. It was, it was, aye. Uh, and I think the the most fouled player on the Celtic side is Frimpong, of course, so uh, it's something we need to keep an eye on. Today, when we're watching the game on Celtic TV, because I believe that's the only place it's going to be broadcast at 3 o'clock today, uh, Amy, a prediction for today's game against Dundee United? 3 no. 3-0? Yeah. I like it. I'm going to go 4 nothing Because every week I'm now going 4 nothing Celtic and 1-1 with Rangers, whoever they're playing. And one of these one of these weeks is going to come to fruition and we'll claw a couple of points back. Maybe today. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Jimmy Goodwin done it uh, done it well the other week. Do you think we can get a repeat of that kind of performance, Colin? I think it'll be difficult for them. Um, now that Rangers know how St Mirren are going to play against them, it's up to them to try and break them down again. Um, a lot of that game, um, from what I've seen, was Rangers really throwing themselves at it, trying to get the goal when St Mirren defending very, very well. Um, it was incredible, actually, the final scenes of that game with St Mirren just going up the park and putting the ball in the back of the net after Rangers like hammering them for the last 20 minutes to get the equaliser. Um, and as you said, quite rightly, you would rather that result was in the league than in the cup. Mm-hmm. If they can do it again today, it would be fantastic. Um, but I just, I don't at the minute. I just don't see them dropping points. I think the only team that could maybe take something off them is us. Um, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure about that. I think you've seen uh, a few elements of the last few weeks, a few elements of them being breached. Um, I know they would come back and say that's championship winning form where you're not playing so well, but you're still getting the one nils and you know you're coming back from behind, etc. And I get that argument as well. But I do think that uh, they will drop points and obviously we need to look after our own backyard when it comes to the 2nd of January. Absolutely, we need to do the damage ourselves, Colin. And I know you're a wee bit apprehensive about that game. Uh, yourself, but I think Celtic have it in us to beat them, and I also think that other clubs will take points from them, and that's why every single week I'm predicting one each, uh, where whoever Rangers are playing, and 4 nothing for Celtic to claw back some of these goals. Um, 
Julien was left out against Hamilton and we made the point during the game, Colin, that it may well have been to prevent any aggravation of this bad back of his. Um, how important would he be today, particularly when you look at the fact that Turnbull is able to deliver uh, some of these incredible amounts of corners that we get at Celtic? I mean, because up until Turnbull's introduction and the fact Griffiths wasn't playing, you know, Ryan Christie, your favourite Celtic player, was taking everything and uh, largely unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. How important so is Julian? Not just today, but also against Rangers. I think Julian's defensive qualities are, were, although they weren't missed in the game against Hamilton, that's something that you want to see included within the team, and something you want to see ahead of the weekend. Getting that partnership with, between him and Ayer, I think, is the best two that we've got there. I know you were uh, asking about maybe bringing Duffy back in and moving Ayer to right back, but I think the partnership they've got there has been uh, fruitful. What we do lack, though, is the the options to kind of replace him if he does have a bit of an injury. I mean, you've seen we brought in Beaton uh, or Bitten or however the commentators want to announce him um, for the game against Hamilton. But it's not something that you want to be turning to on a regular basis. You'd like to see in the window maybe us going in and picking up a, a fourth centre-back so that we've got four in there. Um, because it only takes one or two injuries and you're really struggling in that position. So it's good to see them back fit. Uh, and I mean he missed the game against Rangers at Celtic Park so I'm sure he'll be looking to make amends for that Colin raises a point Amy about the transfer dealings in January obviously Neil Lennon gave a very interesting interview uh, just yesterday in relation to that very subject and he's quite happy with the squad he's happy with the balance of the squad he doesn't expect us to sell or indeed dip our toes into the transfer market what was your thoughts on that interview as a whole? Is he, just, is he just keeping his cars close to his chest? I don't know. I think it was a bit odd, and I think the timing of it's a bit odd as well, to come out and say, like, you look at the predicament Celtic are in, OK, there's been a few decent results recently, but it's still the, the underlying issues are still there. It's a light squad, because we were hit earlier on with injuries, and that's obviously played a part in where, why we are where we are. Um, I think a club like Celtic, I think you say that yourself as well, should always have four centre-halves centre at least. Because as Colin rightly said, it only takes one injury, two injuries. If you've got somebody like Julian who has an ongoing issues and whatever, who's not, he really shouldn't n- never be playing on a plastic pitch. Shane Duffy's not really the best on a plastic pitch either, either to be honest. So I find it a bit odd that he's sort of not re- like you say he could be just keeping his cards close to his chest, but to be ruling out that he's not really looking to to be bringing in that much business, I think is a bit, a bit strange at this time. I think, <clears throat> Colin, when you look at the, the scenario of Neil Lennon being asked these questions, the last thing he wants to do is unsettle the, the side and the squad. So if you're Connor Hazard, the last thing you want to hear is that they're in the market for a goalkeeper. You know, if you're Shane Duffy trying to fight your way back into centre-half, if he was to come out and say, I need a centre-half, you know. So I get that to a degree, but um, I'm, I'm hoping that he doesn't believe that the squad we have at the moment is capable um, as it stands because he's talking about balance. I I feel that we don't have the balance. I really don't uh, think we've got the balance, particularly in the wide areas. I mean, we we went in, once Forrest was out, we've struggled wide, right and wide left all season. Going back to the Dundee night game at Tandish, you remember James Forrest started that game on the bench, came on as a sub and he went to the left and he was very, very good there. So you're looking at a situation where we've got Mickey Johnson, James A. Forrest, both out, 
they give us the width. Beyond that, where's our width coming from? El Yunusi doesn't really give you that because he likes to play inside. He likes probably uh, himself, he likes the number 10 role. El Yunusi, he's, he's not going to play there whilst uh, Turnbull's in the, in the team. So it's something we've really struggled with. And of course, you've got the Dembele scenario where, yeah, he's still young, but by this stage of his development, Colin, you would have been expecting him to be pushing for a, for a jersey because he started the season on the bench. And he's one of the guys you'd expect to come in on the right-hand side. What that's also resulted in, of course, is Frimpong playing whenever he's fit. And even that, I don't think, is a great idea because you're, you're looking at the guy getting burnt out, particularly when he's on the end of so many, so many fouls. So what was your thoughts looking at Neil Lennon's interview yesterday in relation to transfers? It was quite interesting, um, the point that he made on James Forrest. He says he'll be like a new signing when he comes back into the squad. And that kind of, that's quite worrying that we're looking at someone like that being a new signing. I know he's missed quite a lot of the season, but it does suggest that he's not going to look to strengthen in that area. Um, so unless he's on the verge of making his comeback soon, then that kind of that does concern me. I was saying in the, the chat yesterday, I would probably look to sign a goalkeeper, a right-back, a centre-back and a right-mid for the rest of the season. Um, I think you're allowed six loan signings this season. and uh, We've made four, is it, so far? Three or four? Uh, Ellen, Lucy, Duffy, Laxalt, three? Three, yeah. Yeah, so there's the opportunity to bring three other players in on loan, which I think is something that we'll look to do. Um, I can't see a lot of money being spent in this window, not after the money that was spent in the summer. Um, I could possibly see two or three players leaving the squad in January. Um, I think guys like maybe Olivier and Cham will be mm-hmm. ones that will be looking to move on. You had a great conversation yesterday about the goalkeeper scenario. If you do bring another goalkeeper in, someone will have to go out. Uh, I, as you say, I don't expect it to be Connor Hazard. If it was ever going to be him, it would be a loan deal out somewhere so that he gets first-team football with someone coming in to replace him as the number one. Scott Bain does suggest to be the kind of prime candidate to move out. Because mm. you've spent £5 million on Barkas, I think you're going to give him at least the full season to see what he can do. In the right mid, we're missing the, the assists and the goals of James Forrest, definitely. I think it was like 17 goals and 18 assists last season. That's a lot to take out the team. And I've kind of harped on about the point of you'll see the best out of the two forwards. It doesn't matter who's playing up there as long as you get the service to them. And at times, until recent weeks, the service hasn't been there. So... It's a, it's a lot that needs to be done in a short period of time, but you'd like to think that we're working in the background already and have identified players that we can go in and take because there is only four weeks and it could be four weeks that would save the season. I would be amazed. I'd be amazed if what Neil Lennon said in that interview was accurate. I think he's just obviously he's limited as to what he's going to be prepared to, to give out at, that, at this stage of the season. He doesn't want to unsettle a, a squad which, let's be honest, has been pretty unsettled. And that takes us on to the want away stars, some of whom you might have mentioned, Colin, because I think in Cham it's pretty obvious that he's looking for a move. I don't think many Celtic fans would be that disappointed if he was to move on. I don't know what his value would be these days because it's not as though he's uh, been a, a regular starter for Celtic. He, he didn't give us the performances in Europe that... You know, Colin watched firsthand last season over in Italy. So he's one of the guys that we would uh, be probably expecting to leave. Now, the one away stars, the big uh, conversation was around Eduard. Celtic have kind of made their point clear that, that they're not looking to sell him in January. But I think it all comes down to if there was a, a club interested and they were prepared to, to spend big. 
how is how big is big? Some of the transfer fees we we've seen around Edward at the beginning of the season were astronomical, thirty million, thirty-five million. I don't think we're in that ballpark uh, simply because of where we are globally, economically. Uh, Scottish football has a ceiling on the value of players. I think that ceiling is probably Kieran Tierney. So you look at that; he was your star man. We sold him for twenty-five. If someone was to come in, and the clubs mentioned Colin in the Italian press anyway, was uh, Juventus and AC Milan, £25 million for a player who has been very inconsistent this season for a number of reasons. We've got to look at the mitigating circumstances, Amy, and the fact that he's a young man who's been fighting back from COVID. Uh, but, you know, it's a bit of a catch-22. Do you keep an unhappy player? And then he reverts back to the, the type of performances that we were so frustrated with this season. Or do you look at the £25 million and take that? Because I, I said in a tweet earlier this week, if we do sell Edward, I just think it's hands up, game, game's a bogey, we're not going to win the league this season. What's your thoughts, Colin? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, your best chance of getting towards the 10 in a row this year would be to keep the best players that you've got. There is players in that squad that are probably more dispensable. Um, and we've already mentioned guys that are being jammed. But I think we're starting to see the best out of Edward. And to kind of break that partnership up now, who, who's there to replace him? It's so easy to say, oh, we could get 25 million, we could get 30 million for him. But you have to bring someone in that's going to replace him. So for me, you've got to keep him. Um, he's the player that I would look to to try and get a goal. He's someone that has proven it time and time again that he can produce the goods. Um, and this partnership with Griffiths is something that's quite exciting and I'd like to see it between now and the end of the season. So, Dar Colin, the point you make there, if we were to sell him, Amy, for £25 million, we know, everybody knows we're not going to buy like for like. Celtic will never spend that kind of money. But I don't even think we would go out and buy a £9 million player as we did when we first brought Edward in. You'd probably be looking at the same kind of market that we were operating in uh, with Albion and Jetty or even we might run for the rest of the season without a fourth striker. You know, that these are the things that the board are capable of doing. So, uh, you know, if Edward was to be sold in the last few days of that transfer window, you know, we didn't have a chance to replace him because it was too late. Um, so that's my biggest concern. We'd be running with the three strikers, one of whom I just think's a runner in Patrick Clamalla. No disrespect, Colin. I just don't think he's up there. He's nowhere near the level of uh, Griffiths or Edward. I think we've seen flashes of a Yeti. Um, obviously the corresponding fixture at Tanadice he scored the winning goal didn't he um, and the 1-0 victory at that point we were very very kind of optimistic Amy about a Yeti coming in and maybe developing a partnership with Eduard what's gone wrong with him because right now I don't think anyone would pick him as a starting striker I don't know what's went wrong with him I think you're spot on it's just one of those ones that there was a lot of optimism around and maybe he wasn't the most technically gifted player and certainly not on the levels of Edward or Griffiths but he was a poacher he was scoring goals and at that stage that's all you needed we needed that Celtic were crying out for just a a, a natural goal scorer because that is what Griffiths is um, and without him and a, a yet he just looks seemed to be the man and I don't know if it was just he went a few games without scoring or if he just but the thing is with Ayeti though his attitude anytime he subbed he genuinely looks frustrated and he looks re- it's not his appetite is clearly there so it's not like an attitude problem I don't think anyway not it doesn't look like that from the outside anyway so I don't quite know what's went wrong but um, right now there's no ways anywhere close to the starting eleven with with Griffiths and Edward up top because they both look happy playing with each other. It's no surprise that last season obviously Celtic's best run came when the two of them started up top together. Everybody knows that that's plain to see. Um 
but the two of them they just complement each other so well and I think we were saying there's do you want to keep an unhappy striker does Edward really look unhappy right now mm. you, we spoke about it after the the, the quadruple treble nobody looked happier um, than the one against Hearts and Edward it didn't look it, it wasn't slow going over the celebrations which you do sometimes see and you have seen in recent weeks or whatever he looked happy enough against Hamilton he's not ball hogging or anything like that he's complimenting with Griffiths he's laying off the ball he's not getting agitated so I think Colin's spot on he's definitely looking the happiest he's looked in a long time at Celtic certainly this season and I think that goes down to being in a partnership with Griffiths again the whole weight is not on his shoulders and I think that's sometimes what he felt especially in an underperforming Celtic side no, you're right there, Colin. Colin, you mentioned earlier as well that you would like a right back. The situation, obviously, with Alhamid, um, who, for me, this season has been off it. I don't think anyone realised what was going on behind uh, the scenes with Alhamid. We now do know that there's been personal issues there, and the likelihood is he'll go back to Israel with um, Beersheva, uh, looking to take him out, even on loan, uh, which, you know, you think to yourself, right, but if he's going to go, just, you know, it'd be better if it was a permanent sign, and if you ask me, but when he goes, what have we got at right back? We've got one recognised right back in uh, Tony Ralston because, you know, you're looking at Frimpong. Is Frimpong a right back for you? Probably not. He's more of an attacking fullback. Um, his defensive qualities can be shown. I mean, his pace gets him back there very quickly and getting in front of the defender and winning the foul is some of the best parts of his defensive game. Um, but he doesn't have that kind of ability to sit in if a team's coming at you. Um, and at the weekend, for example, if uh, Barisic is playing, the kind of pairing between them two would be very interesting uh, because we've not really seen what he can do when he's kind of put on the back foot. Uh, as you said, Ralston's probably the only other right-back that's in there. He, he makes the bench now and again, but he's probably one of those players that if we get an offer for him in January, he would move on, mm-hmm. um, which does mean that he would be looking to get a right-back in. Um, and as I said on this show uh, last week, if you can get someone of the same quality of Diego Laxalt but in the right back position, that's something that we should look to do, even if it is for six months, just to get us through to the summer. Uh, because I think there'll be a, a massive rebuild of the squad in the summer as well. Um, but on the, the topic of the strikers, Patrick Clamalla, I think it would be good to get him out for six months somewhere in the FPL, um, somewhere within Scotland where he can get the game time because in the glimpses that he has shown us, he can do it. Um, you take a look at the goal that he scored against uh, St Johnston where he gets absolutely taken out of the game, gets himself back up, brushes himself off and puts it past the goalkeeper. Uh, I think if he's given more regular game time, he'll show that. But he's not going to get it in front of Griffiths and Eddie at the minute. Um, in the 15-20 minutes that he does come on, it's towards the end of the game when... Um, we're kind of content with the three points and we're just seeing out. I think if you put him on loan to someone like an Aberdeen or to Hibs or somewhere like that, he might get more of a chance. Um, and also, it strengthens the teams that Rangers have still got to play this season. I think that's a good point. I really do. I mean, it's all fine margins, isn't it, Colin? And if you've got this uh, kind of squad where there's a number of players like him who are not going to get a lot of game time, um, and you do loan them out to the likes of Hibs and Aberdeen, the stronger size in the league. I mean, it is, it's very, very fine margins, but you just never know. They might, 
start winning points for Celtic elsewhere. But yeah, good point made. Good point made. Leon Tronsky or Trotsky, sorry, um, is I don't think it's the Leon, but he is uh, commenting on YouTube. Difficult team selection today, as don't want any injuries to key players, but also need continuity and consistency. Lenny needs to earn his cross today. Um, do you think he has earned his crust over the last five games or so, Colin? Yeah, he has, hasn't he? I mean, as you said, consistency is key here. And you just wouldn't want to sort of change a one inside. That's why the team that you've picked, I picked today, basically is a team that's played on Boxing Day. Just keep going with that consistency. Keep the winning formula going. Get the confidence in amongst the team. And uh, although it's probably not the strongest team that we could put out there on paper, it's the team that you would kind of fancy to do something at the weekend. On that note, Amy, um, Chris Murray has come in via YouTube to say team selection should be a team that does not include Mr Brown. What's your thoughts on that? Because, I mean, Neil Lennon obviously brought Scott Brown back in for the Scottish Cup final. We've since learnt that Sorrow had food poisoning because he cooked himself a meal the night before. And that's fair enough. But um, would he have started or did we get the vibe from Neil Lennon that he was going to pick Scott Brown anyway because of the leadership qualities, his role within that team, the talismanic captain that he is. Over 600 games now for Celtic, uh, so decorated as a captain. Do you look ahead to the Rangers game and think Brown's got to play that game? Or do you think there comes a point where if Sorrow's going to be a player for Celtic, in the medium term, term, never mind the long term, he's going to have to take a game like the Rangers game on the chin and deal with it. So what's your thoughts on that? Any team without Scott Brown? Is that where we are now? Is Scott Brown now surplus to requirements? Is he on the bench? Is he there to offer support and leadership from the, the dressing room and the training field? I don't know. Surplus to requirements is maybe a bit harsh and I don't maybe want to, to say that. But I think the thing... The Celtic have done wrong in recent years. Instead of playing against Rangers, sorry, instead of playing to our own strengths, you just try to play to nullify Rangers. Um, and right now, the strength is playing sorrow. I think that yeah, Brown was exceptional against Hearts, and I was really impressed by him. But I still think Sorrow's a better player as well. I think a massive game changer is if Scott Arfield was playing. I think then Lennon would be slightly more leaning towards Brown. I really do because I think he'd want that. So I think the reason that Brown was brought in was to to play against Naismith was um, in in the Hearts game, mm-hmm. and I think he'd sort of do the same against Scott Arfield in the Rangers game because it's that sort of same it's the same rivalry and it's just, uh, Arfield's not got the same sort of experience in Naismith, but he's just he's came up here and grabbed it by the scruff of the neck and he, he, he revels playing against Celtic, and I think that's what Brown would be brought in for. So Arfield's definitely out for the weekend, isn't he? Yeah. Arfield and Kent have been quoted as being missing out. Yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I think for well, yeah. um, for that reason, I think there's no, there's not the threat that there was at Arfield, and not maybe the threat in front of the goal, but the threat in the middle of the park. And I think that's why Brown would have possibly been more essential than than not. But I think at this stage, like you see, Sorrow needs to get those sort of games under his belt. Um, and I think the the key is to play to Celtic strength. Don't go to just try and nullify Tavernier or Barisic or have somebody to, to face up to Arfield or Jack. I think you play your strongest eleven, and I do think that's where Celtic have went wrong in recent years against Rangers. Just when you, you were coming. Sorry, on you go, Colin. On you go. I was just saying, do you not think it's kind of, it's really interesting, but we're talking about Sorrow playing at Ibrooks, which is potentially the biggest game we'll have this season considering the position that we're in. And if you'd said Sorrow's going to be playing at Ibrox three or four months ago, you'd have said, well, what's gone wrong with the side? Where's the injuries came in? 
but he's come in and he's played so well that he is to the position where it's very, very hard to drop him. Mm-hmm. And the, the players that you're mentioning, it's out, Ryan Jack, you've got uh, Scott Arfield, and I didn't know about Ryan Kent, but it's another one. In the midfield there, you're going to have guys like um, Davis, you're going to have guys like, uh, i trying to think who else plays in there, Glenn Kamara. Kamara. So the, the, there is guys there that do have the experience of playing against Celtic. So I still think Brown would offer something in that. I don't know whether it's going to be um, from like starting the game or coming off the bench, but there is still a lot of experience in that Rangers midfield. Um, and Brown is the player that we can turn to with the experience. You'd think McGregor would be able to stand up and do that as well, but I don't know how influential he can be in the midfield battle. I think he's more of a creative player than a digger. Mm. Leon comes back in to say Brown is integral for Ibrox, so he's disagreeing with the, the sorrow chat. His mere presence is a psychological edge for these big games. Old age comes to us all, don't we know it, Leon? But he's still a winner. Um, I get all that, but I think a lot of what you were saying there was, was right about the, the personal battle that he had with um, Naismith and Halliday. Um, what is that personal battle going to be? At Ibrox, do we need to get over that? Do we need to just play a team that we know, um, you know, through evidence of the last few games, have have done the job for us? I'm going to ask the big question, really, um, and it's one that we've been asking all week on a Celtic state of mind. Is this one week um, in which Celtic? It's a last chance for Celtic to to salvage ten in a row. Colin, I'll ask you first. Do you think it's as pivotal as that this week? I would say if you lose at Ibrox, it's very, very difficult to win the league. You're at a stage where, I mean, we don't really know what's going to happen with football. You're seeing the instance that's happening down south, the amount of games that's been called off. They're calling for circuit breakers to um, postpone games for a couple of weeks. You don't want to be in a position where you're you're quite far behind them. The uh, The win at the weekend could be massive as a momentum swinger for us. Um, and we really need to get these games won. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it's almost make or break. Bill McCabe says, let's go drop anything in the next two games and it's over. So, Bill agrees. It is the biggest week in Celtic season. What do you think? Uh, Amy, we know anything ha- can happen in football, but we're at that stage now where we've got to win these next two games, and if not, can we say bye-bye to 10 in a row? Absolutely, you can't look past United either, and I think that's a great point coming in there. But I think if Celtic lose at the weekend, I do think I think it's make or break. I really do. Um, I think you're right. Rangers will eventually drop points, but for them, you're talking about what a momentum shift that this could be for Celtic. But what a momentum that a momentum carrier that is for Rangers. They've already won the first um, encounter, and it, it would just I just I do think it'd be make or break. I really do. I don't think there's any two ways about it. From Facebook, the point comes in, if we win Ibrox on Saturday, we need Eddie until the end of the season. If we get beat, it's over, in my opinion. Uh, we then need to build for the following season and sell him in the January window. Colin, I mean, the big thing is, it wasn't that long ago there were people protesting outside Celtic Park. Um, there's a lot of unhappy people, and it's not just with the players or the management, but it goes higher than that, doesn't it? Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we were to win at Ibrox and also sell Edward. Now, I'm not going to be uh, the big negative uh, kind of influence on this show. I'm actually looking at the board. I don't have the confidence that the board would build on it because we have failed in the past to build on being in a better position, in a position of strength. I think we're capable of winning today and at Ibrox, 
But I'm also thinking that the board are capable of shooting ourselves in the foot once we've done that. What's your thoughts on that? It's a hard situation that they're going to find themselves in, especially if there is any sort of bid in the region of what was being discussed in the Italian media, because he does only have 18 months left on his deal. So you don't want to get into a situation where he's got 12 months left, the fee will certainly come down, they'll be looking to still get a return on their investment. Remember, they did spend £9 million on him, so to, to bring something in like 12 or £15 million, for them, won't be as much of a success as if they got the 20, 30 that was once quoted. Um, so would it surprise me that if perhaps that we, we lost the game at Ibrox and then sold them? That wouldn't surprise me because I think they'd already start then rebuilding for next season. Um, but to win the, the game and then sell them, that would be a surprise for me because I think, as Amy says, that's a momentum changer for us if we do get that victory at Ibrox. Um, and they've already come out and backed Neil Lennon to the hill, to the point of They've had the fans turn against them. They've turned the fans against the club because of the way that they've acted. So to then go on and sell Edward after winning at Ibrox, just imagine what the scenes would be like then. Scenes, indeed. I don't think they care, though. Like, I don't think do you, they do you, care. Well, that's a good point, yeah, Amy, I because, I mean, they're looking out yeah. the ivory tower at the, the yeah. people protesting, and they don't, they no, don't seem to care because the communication exactly. we had after that was... They're not batting an eyelid. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. I don't think that, like you say, for them, they're more just concerned of what about if you go from getting quoted 25, 30 million for a striker and then only managing to pull in 12, 15 million because you run it out till the summer and then, as Colin says, it's down to 12 months, so it'll inevitably drop. For them, it is just a business. Um, and would they really care if then the Celtic fans are back on, are back on their back? Doesn't look at it in recent times, does it? No, it doesn't. But then the point to be made on that, though, is that. Um, the season tickets need to be sold for next season. So they, they have got to try and find a way to br- bring out this fantastic PR statement because if Celtic don't go on to win 10 in a row, the difficulty in trying to sell season tickets next year is going to be astronomical. Um, they'll be the loyal fans, of course, but there'll be people looking at it and looking at the way they've been treated this season and saying, I'm not going to pay, especially if they put the season tickets up like they did this year, knowing fine well that we wouldn't be getting into games. So it's very difficult. Um, and they, they have got to try and win the fan base back because the way they've treated them so far this season. Adam Beanie-Smith brings up the John McGinn saga. Again, tragedy, we never got McGinn, said it for ages, yeah. I don't think, uh, I think that, you know, we certainly didn't make the same mistake twice when it came to Turnbull, who, I'm not comparing them as players, what I'm saying is, you know, in terms of Scottish football, hot, hot prospects, weren't they? I mean, John McGinn, everybody could see that we had to sign the guy. Um, and the same with Turnbull, but then obviously with his injury, but Celtic um, stood firm on that one and uh, were patient to bring him in. It's just been frustrating, probably for him more than anyone, that he hasn't really played until recently. Now we're seeing what the boy can do his ball retention is phenomenal I mean he, he's not scared to, to crack one from 30-35 yards by the way Amy Colin doesn't give him any stick for that you know when Christie does it it's a different story um, but I mean Turnbull for me has been a revelation people are giving sorrow credit and, and rightly so but I just think a part of our, our game two, two parts of our game we're really really lacking in fact three if you want to throw in the width is the attack into defensive um, transition. We just couldn't do it. So any time an attack broke down, we couldn't handle the counter-attack at the back. Just couldn't do it. A big part of that was down to the fact that Brown uh, positionally just couldn't you know, cover that amount of ground any, any longer. Sorrow can. 
So he's he's plugged a gap there. And another part was this getting up to the, the final third and then everything breaking down. You've got 10 men behind the ball and we didn't have the width. We couldn't stretch the back line, especially with one up front. And I think Turnbull has completely um, turned that on his head because he is now creating something in that area. He loves that wee dink over the... Sometimes it's just a dink over the defenders. So it's a good point. Now, Billy Boy... That's the boy with an H, 32. Um, we have been poor most of the season. Every detail is then subsequently microanalyzed. Now we are playing better. Some of the negativity about the minute details will stop. That's true. I mean, when you think about the fact that we, for one hour every single day at 12.30, talk about um, every nuance of Celtic football club, then you are going to overanalyze just about everything, every player's performance, everything that the manager says. And we have done it this season because things haven't been going so well. Um, but again, I would much rather be talking about victories and momentum and looking forward to Ibrox. And with that in mind, Colin, uh, you have said that you think the best Celtic can do is a draw. Um, is that still your, your thoughts on that at Ibrox? I mean, the best Celtic can do is win. That's just that, that's the ultimate. You have to win. Um, it's going to be a really difficult game. Um, and it will all come down to the, the teams that are picked by Lennon and Gerrard as to how it goes. When you look at the, this type, the time that we've won at Ibrox, Stephen Gerrard packed the midfield. He had five central midfielders in that team because he was trying to nullify our midfield threat. We're at the stage now that we're trying to nullify their midfield threat. That's why we're potentially um, looking at bringing Brown and Sorrow into the same team. But as you said, sometimes you just got to play for your strengths. It'll be interesting to see the way that Lennon lines up. If Lennon goes for it, he knows what's on the line there. And looking at the options that he's got coming off the bench, there's really not a lot that would be able to turn the game if it wasn't going in your favour after going for it. You're talking about guys like maybe Mikey Johnson that could come on. Um, guys again that we've been blowing hot and cold all season guys like Elanoussi and Rogic. Rogic's got a great history at Ibrox he's scored a, a couple of cracking goals there but it is really it's so I don't I, I don't know the word to really summarise how important this is going to be and you just hope that the experience that Celtic have got and the players have got there of being in these big pressure game situations will come through um, and it will be a far better performance than the, the one at Celtic Park because if we play anything like that, we'll get absolutely nothing out of the game. See, when you look back on that game, um, you know, in the aftermath of it, Amy, uh, the frustrations, the disappointment, everything else, but you look back on it, I mean, Colin's mentioned Julian, but without Ryan Christie and Edward, you know, we started that game with Clamalla up front and, yeah, there was a lot that, that went wrong on the day in terms of the actual team selection, how we, we shaped up. We were not at the races. When Rangers went 2 nothing up, they scored an early goal in the first half, an early goal in the second half. I had absolutely no confidence at that stage that uh, this side under Neil Lennon were going to pull it back. And that saddened me because I thought, you know, you're looking at some of these guys that Collins mentions that have been through, uh, you know, league campaigns, European campaigns, time and time again. And they just weren't at it at all. I think we've come on leaps and bounds since then. I'm not getting carried away because I know that we, we beat a championship side in the Scottish Cup final. We're beating sides in the league you would expect without feeling entitled. You would expect to beat Hamilton Ackes. You would expect to beat Ross County. I would have expected to beat them in the Cup as well, to be fair. But these are games that we should, would expect to win. This is a, a slightly tougher challenge today. But, uh, I mean, Colin is being quite reserved, I think, when he's looking ahead to Ibrox. I'm, I'm looking at it because there's a few points coming in in relation to us basically just keeping our own backyard in order because the momentum Rangers have got 
you know, unless it's going to be a one-off season like our Invincible season, that's going to come to an end. Of course it is. And that's what I'm saying, 1-1 against St Mirren. Why not? It might happen. Um, Robert Highland is asking, is today's game on telly? It's on Celtic TV. So you can tune in, Robert, and you'll get um, the game about, I don't know, a minute after it was live, Colin, something like that. I don't know if they've sorted that out, to be honest with you. Um, uh, it's never going to be fixed this season. They've already admitted it. So don't follow them on Twitter and expect to see the game at the same pace as what you see on Twitter. That's a, a top tip. Well, the problem that we had was when we were watching the Ferenc Varos game, seems like a long time ago now, Colin, and we were getting um, text, the updates from people like Kevin Graham. Kevin was telling us that uh, Ferenc Varos had scored and we were watching it live and we were trying to do a live broadcast. So that's why we stopped actually doing it live. We will be back today, half an hour before kickoff, Colin, you're going to be joining me. And um, you'll be joining me at halftime as well. And then Kevin Graham will be coming in for the full-time analysis. Um, Otis B. Driftwood, decision on Eduard will be made after the Rangers game. By the way, I think you're probably right when it comes to that. Um, Adam Beanie-Smith is bigging up Amy for her comments on Eduard as well. And this is interesting. Graham Martin, sell Eddie, may as well give up. I'm not being a you know a comma Nazi, but you need to put a, a comma after Eddie, otherwise that's Eddie May of Hibs. <laughs> sell Eddie may as well give up. Well, I think it is a white flag if we sell Eddie because I mean, you know, you think of the scenario of Celtic clawing back the points at Ibrox. You're then yeah, you're looking at three games in hand that aren't going to happen immediately, and there's no guarantee you're going to win all three games. But we're right back in it. You know, we're right back in it. We've got another two games against Rangers. If we were to go ahead and sell one of our best assets, honestly, do, do you think, Colin, it would get back to the point of these emotions of the people who were protesting outside Celtic Park? Would it be like, you know, returning to, to that kind of backlash? I, I mean, I think so. I mean, you could never imagine a position where you take your best player out of a team at any season. I mean, no matter what you're going for, you never want to lose your best player. And in the situation that we find ourselves in at the minute, to kind of sell your best player is almost like a, a view to the other teams that, look, that's it, we've, we've given up. Unless you're actually going to replace him with someone even better, which you, you can't see that, that happening at the minute. I did see some co- uh, some comments coming in saying, if you sell Eddie, bring in Diego Costa after he was released. I, mean, <laughs> I can't see that one happening, but that would be quite funny. Um, but no, just... <sighs> You can't do it. You can't do it if you're still in the race. And as I said the other day, there was 22 cup finals to go. We won the first one against Hamilton. We've got another 21 to go and it starts with another victory today. I'm glad to see that the positivity is flowing out you, Colin. You were criticised last week, as was Kevin, about your negativity. Um, apparently the podcast was gone, wasn't it? It was, yeah, it was finished. It, 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 it was, a, it was a great run that we had, but this is a, the revived podcast. We've brought it back to life with some positivity. Brilliant. Andy Cleland states that uh, this sums Celtic up. We need a right back, centre back, centre forward, and a goalkeeper in January transfer window, Amy. And Lenny's coming out saying we're not going to get any of that. So, returning back to those comments, I mean, how big is the, the game at Ibrox in terms of what happens in January? I mean, you win the game, do you try and rubber stamp that by bringing in some more? Or do you think the Celtic board will say, oh, well, you know, we're beating the Rangers, so we must be good enough. We don't need to reinforce it because I, I really don't have the confidence anymore in the Celtic board I don't have the confidence in the board at all um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's that's the attitude that they take I think you're right I think if if we get we come away with a win you've got to go as a rubber stamp right now we kick on from here this is 
this is game changer, it really is. But um, like you say, I can see them just sitting back with their feet up and thinking, right, well, like you say, if we can beat Rangers, who are the be-all and end-all right now, then surely we're good enough to keep going the way that we are. Um, I just wouldn't be surprised by absolutely anything in that Celtic board right now. Adam Beanie-Smith, uh, how many times are we going to go over this Frimpong topic? Young lad has good attributes, but we know defending isn't his best. That's the point, I think. Um, why play him at right back? Because he does have attributes. Neil Lennon obviously likes him. Whenever Frimpong's fit, he plays. But he's never a right back. So why put him under the cosh there when it's quite clear he doesn't have the defensive attributes? Um, and I think, you know, James... McCafferty comes in to say we frim- frimpers frimpers is that the same as Parkers as a winger um, I think so he's an offensive player he's never a right back so why put him in there so that he's up for criticism he's one of these guys I think Amy, when he was introduced into the side he had us all on the edge of our seats he was the first person to do that for me at Celtic Park probably since Paddy Roberts you know that yeah. getting the ball the instinct gets him past the first man the second man doesn't know what to do and that's what he's all about instinct uh, yeah he had to work on the final but I think he's actually started to work on that I've seen far more occasions now where he's hitting the byline calling and he's cutting it back that's all just getting coached into him great but don't start him at right back I mean I think that's why I was saying a Yeti right back in, in Duffy but then you're asking yourself who do you who do you drop it out of the diamond you know who do you drop out of that diamond because it's been so effective isn't it and I think you'd happily drop Brian Christie for, for Frimpong but then you know he's a different type of player he absolutely is a different type of player but it's quite clear to me that Neil Lennon's a massive fan because he plays him whenever he's fit sometimes overplays him I think it's something that I think Celtic's tried to do for the last number of years is coach players into a new position Um We've seen it with the uh, the young boy, I've totally forgot, is it Calvin Miller? Mm. Calvin Miller was one of the top stars in Europe. He was rightly awarded that um, by some of the leading journalists. And he was a striker at the time. But because of his structure, they tried to make him into a left-back. Now he's left the club and he's back to playing as a striker again. So it's something that Celtic's tried to do over the years. They think they can get the best out of Frimpong as put, uh, putting him in at a right-back. But you just see when he's playing... Yeah, he's getting there, but he's still got that attacking tendency, and I think he's he's more frightening to teams going forward than what he is defending. We're talking about a Celtic team uh, that's playing two up top. Something you've mentioned already, Amy. It's great to see. I mean, I don't ever think, and very few people will disagree. Um, when we're playing teams in Scotland, particularly at home, when we line up with one up front, it's so frustrating, isn't it? It's so frustrating. We know that when Griffiths come back last season to partner Edward, everything turns around. And a lot of people were calling for that. It was a simple enough. It was a simple enough change, you know, bring back Griffiths. But it looked for the last parts of the season that it wasn't going to happen. It looked as though Griffiths had probably um, had his final chance at Celtic Park. Yet once again. He claws his way back into the plans. He's starting games again. He came off the bench time and time again um, against Sparta Prague, against Aberdeen, against St Johnston, and he was grabbing goals. Um, he came on and made a difference against Hibs, although he didn't score. And Stephen James 187 comments what Griffiths has been through to pull himself back has been amazing. Let's have a wee chat about Lee Griffiths because, I mean, credit, credit to the boy. I mean, the stick he's had is unbelievable. And, you know, he's, he's been frustrating, hasn't he, this season? He, not being fit for when we started, being left at home for the trip to France, not, never really being quoted for, for weeks and months on end. And you're thinking, this is it. It's the last chance saloon and it's gone and we'll probably get rid of him in January. Yet now he's back in the team and he's one of the biggest reasons why Celtic are, are starting to turn the corner. 
Absolutely. Um, he's just, it's just time and time again. Like you say, it's so disappointing when it comes out and says that he's not fit or, like you say, he's getting left behind, can't go to France and whatnot. Um, I think his attitude as well can be quite commendable. He's never really spat the dummy out of the pram this season um, or last, to be honest with you. He's came out, he's been given chances and he's then came out and said, well, you know, to be match fit, I need to play matches. He's doing that and, well, he's looking more match fit to me than anyone right now. So... I don't know, his appetite's still there. It's clear that he's, his love for the club, it's, he's, he, um, he represents the fans, he connects with the fans, there's no denying that. Uh, and everyone's happy to see, to see him doing well. And it's just one of these, these stories, but like you see, how many times can we go through this that it keeps going or that he falls back into a pit and then it comes back out again? Um, he's very lucky that he's given the chances that he is but to be fair he's deserved of them because there's just no denying that though, but he just has to stay fit because he is so crucial to the Celtic side and he's crucial to Edward oh, He definitely is Amy I mean when you look back on the nine in a row campaign and I'm one of these people who not deluded I don't think it's over yet I don't think the run's over yet there's a lot of games to be played you think about moments you think about images iconic images um, quite a few of them involve Michael Lustig to be fair or Mika Lustig uh, with police hats and uh, everything else that he got up to but a lot of them involve Lee Griffiths don't they you know tying scarves to posts and um, you know waving tricolours and I think at the Scottish Cup where he tells Naismith to shut it. I, I just thought that was tremendous. It was just Lee Griffiths, your back, son, you know, because you've got that guileless nature, you've got the swagger back, and he needs a wee bit of that. How many more of these iconic moments, Colin, do you think we're going to get from Lee Griffiths? 21. It's a goal every game from now to the end of the season till he lifts it down. A bit of positivity for him. I'm just saying, I'm loving this positivity. It's, it's a different type of column we're getting this week. But when you look at his records, Colin, um, and I mean, not just for Celtic actually, but his entire senior career, his goals to games ratio is unbelievable. It's frightening. It, it really is. Especially when you consider he's probably lost a couple of seasons. You know, in the last four years, he's probably lost a couple of seasons. Um, and you look at the amount of goals he's scored and compare it to the game. You're saying 21 games. I wouldn't actually put that past Lee Griffiths if, no. as Amy says, he can just maintain that level of fitness. Look, you know what you're going to get from him. He needs to be coached through the season. Um, and when he's fit, you've got to make the most of him. We can't have him on the bench. You've just got to keep him playing. I mean, three goals in three games tells you everything. Um, he, he's loving it when he can get on the park he's full of confidence and he can score goals and that's what we've got to make the most of him yeah he's maybe going to pick up an injury here or there yeah he's going to go through a tough time but we've got to make sure that we coach him through it get the most out of Lee Griffiths because you know that when he's on form what he can do he's done it before he scored 40 goals a season he's got a partnership going with Edward and yeah he might not be the best player at the club but there's not there's not another player at the club who would give as much to the team as what Lee Griffiths can when he's fully fit and he's he's really up for it. And at the minute, he's in that period, so we've got to make the most of it. And you get two for one, as Amy says. You get Griffiths and Eddie. I'm going to leave you with one more point from Jungle Lion. They've had a full squad every Glasgow derby. A few out on Saturday for them. It's turning. So I'm going to leave that. That's a positive thought from Jungle Lion. Um, and that's after a loads of positivity for Colin Amy, which is great to see. Um, all that's left for me to say is to thank you, uh, Amy Canavan. Thank you, Colin Watt, for joining me once again on a Celtic State of Mind. And Colin, you'll be back to join me for the pre-match I have to. Yep, see you then, guys. See you then.
This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.